zero hours. Catherine Mather. Ow! Zero hours! Hello and welcome to Zero Hours Podcast with me, Catherine Mather, where I speak to comedians and creators about the best and worst jobs they've had to do to get by. Today I'm joined by comedian Lee Kyle. How are you doing? Hello there. You know what? Rather than how we spoke before we were recorded, I'm going to say fine. <laughs> Just easier, isn't it? It is easier. For, for, uh, for context, this is the first time we've actually met. Uh, we've been speaking for, I would say, 15 minutes, and it so quickly got on to killing ourselves. I cannot, <laughs> I can't begin. Yeah, and actually, I'm quite jolly at the minute. If this had been an interview in 2017, I would have meant it. <laughs> I like that it was like, are you doing Edinburgh? Yeah. Have you considered killing yourself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mostly Edinburgh, actually. Yeah, a lot, a lot, yeah. <laughs> Almost exclusively Edinburgh French. <laughs> oh, I don't know if about you, but every morning. <laughs> I don't know if I'm just not a morning person, but I'm fine by this time at night in general. But, oh, there was a year, about a three years straight where every morning I'd wake up and just go, oh, for fuck's sake, another one of these. <laughs> yeah, I could just not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wish I'd died in my sleep. Anyway, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, good. good Hello, good. everyone. Hello, everybody. It'd be it'd be cheaper for sure, wouldn't it? But um, yeah, alas, was, <laughs> uh, here we are. Um, so, I mean, we'll we'll get down uh, to what the people paid for. Uh, and when I say the people, I of course mean uh, me. Uh, what um what what's your worst job ever been? I'm tempted to say stand-up comedian, and some nights, <laughs> some nights that is true. Mm-hmm. But um, oh, I've hated every other job I've had, mate. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not during lockdown. You know when we all did loads of tests? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, what kind of person are you on Google? This will prove it. You know? Yeah. I mean, turns out, and I'm around this by a lot of my friends, and I said, I think I've got ADHD, and they went, Of course you have. <laughs> Oh, God, that's worst, isn't it, when you're the last person to yeah. know? Yeah, and it means that what I do is look back at every mistake I've made in my life through those lens and go, now it all makes sense. <laughs> ah. yeah. Yeah. And one of the interesting things I read about it was that if you have ADHD, it's very difficult to form habits. Yeah. So as in, you know, like people, um, I've never had that feeling where if I exercise for a few days, suddenly it just becomes like, oh, well, that's what I do now. Yeah. Every day is then as so it means that every day I do it, which I don't, I don't exercise anymore, it's boring. Every day I do it is exactly as hard as the first day. Yeah. So it's hard to form habits. And I found that with jobs, every single day I would turn up, I'd go, oh God, have I really got to go? There was never yeah. a point where I would just accept and go, well, that's what I do for five days a week. Yeah. So it's constantly. But in terms of worst, I will say I was a caretaker for about nine years. Okay, what did you take care of? Oh man, I was so bad. It was a church hall. (laughs) And the only reason I got it is I was the only person who applied. (laughs) Amazing. And I had no caretaking skills. Right. You don't care. Yeah, (laughs) I had no skills or wish to split those skills. Um, I did it because, uh, so it was um, when my son was younger, my son's 23 now and he was, well, he still is autistic, but um, he sort of learned to live with it more. And he was quite a difficult child. So me and me, wife both work part-time mm-hmm. and that was the route I took while hating it but it was good hours right. but my god what I'm saying is when you've left a job how long ago now 
eight or nine years, you shouldn't be having nightmares about it three times a week. Oh my God, no. That's not healthy, is it? <laughs> what kind of church was this? Was it like the exorcist? <laughs> well, the problem is, it, the church, the hall was sort of like not attached to the church, but it was used by the church and owned by them. But it was basically hardly ever used. Right. So my job was mostly looking busy. And okay. that's, time passes so slowly. Mm, it's hard work, like, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I, I suppose I'll rub this window for an hour and... And one time someone had a massive shit in a corridor and I had to clean it up. And oh. I thought, and that was my entire, like, I think about that a lot because that was a whole day of trying to psych myself up to it and just go, <laughs> I'm going to have to do this. Oh, the more you think, the more the more the shit grows in stature in your mind. <laughs> oh, and and there was a needle exchange nearby. Okay. And, um, which, you know, I'm, a, I'm in a needle exchange is great. Mm-hmm. Everything, but what that meant is, there was a gravel thing behind these locked gates that people would sneak into and there was loads of used syringes in there, which right. I kept being told I had to clean up. And I was like, I'm not picking up new syringes. No. I'm sorry, I'm just not doing I'm not. I'm not paid enough and nobody is. Like, I'm sure there's professionals, but I'm not doing it. And then one day, a fella, sadly, um, I was in on a night time and there was a fella on heroin who died in the bin. Oh, God. Crawled into a, the recycling bin for warmth yeah yeah and that's that happened while I was there that was really yeah and I had to I got questioned over that not like did you kill this man but <laughs> did you say anything and I was like well no I'll be honest I was hiding in a cupboard in case people saw I wasn't doing any work <laughs> <laughs> officer I cannot uh, <laughs> you cannot underestimate how little work I do here <laughs> honestly you're in the police and I know less than you <laughs> Wow, okay, so that is a lot of information. Sorry, um, sorry, ask, no, ask, no, ask. don't. No, I just I wanna I wanna discuss it. Mm. So, um, who did the turd in the corridor? What was the I thought process? Was it a person? It was. I, now I don't know how I know that it was a person, but I feel like as a human, I feel you have an instinct for what it definitely was. And everybody listening is going, "Oh yeah, you would know," even though they don't know how they would know. But it absolutely yeah. was a person. Yeah. Yeah. It was. And I don't know how they got in. I can only assume somebody left a fire door open. And, and I'll be honest, if somebody did, it was me. <laughs> so it's probably my fault. And yeah. The thing is, I wouldn't have minded them getting in. If you need a corridor and you're cold, come in by all means. Don't have a shit, lads. Yeah, we've got toilets. <laughs> Please. Yeah. Which I also have to clean. Oh. But. It's much easier to clean up a turd if it is in a toilet bowl. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. It's, it's one of the reasons we invented them. Yeah. <laughs> I would well, argue maybe the only reason. I, I think there's other good reasons. Um, yeah. What else have you done in the toilet? So a lengthy good. sit down when you're at work at a job you hate. Yes. Yeah. True. Uh, I worked in a nightclub once where we pulled out some people for having a threesome in a toilet cube. Oh, God. And um, I was just like, how... How did that happen? I was going to tell a story there about um, a comedian's Christmas party at a comedy <gasps> club in the Northeast where three of my friends had a... Th- but I'm not going to do that because I'll no. end up either giving clues away or naming them. But to be honest, I found it unsettling because oh God, there's something odd about like walking to the toilet and then three of your friends are making noises that you don't want to hear. I really didn't like it. No, no, I think that would be uncomfortable knowing them all. Yeah, I didn't. I wasn't happy with it at all. No, but I just, I mean, all of people who have the social skills to be able to do that. Yeah, yes. And 
to still remain friends. Like it was a very much a one-off and they're still friends to this. And I just think, well, we can never speak again. No. Obviously you're <laughs> dead to me. Absolutely not. <laughs> oh, I don't like sex people, they're weird. <laughs> yeah, just, we do it, we do it silently. Yes. In the dark. <laughs> yeah, we have a lovely time and afterwards we feel ashamed. And the <laughs> lovely time is a quiet, lovely time. <laughs> What's wrong with that? So I'm imagining you wearing like a, a a long tan sort of overcoat. Was that? I'm afraid not. I'm afraid oh. not. I just wore clothes. Okay. I, I just wore clothes and I, guess I, I couldn't do anything. And people came in and said, oh, that light's broken and you have a look at the fuse. No, I can't <laughs> get an electrician in. And I don't mean because, oh, it might not be safe. I don't know what I'm looking for. Right. I can sort of mop a floor. So uh, at what point in the nine years? Like, did, <laughs> you, did, long time. did you pick anything up or was it, did you uh, remain as incompetent at repairs? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, the only thing I picked up was the sense of frustration from the old ladies <laughs> who wished I was better at doing what I did, but had no power to stop us, to get us fired, really. Amazing. It was uh, nine years, and it's weird to think it was that long because it doesn't seem that long, even though it dragged. Because sort of, there's no way I was going to be there for nine years, and then suddenly I was. Mm. Oh, this has to it. Like the last few, the last couple of years, I'll be honest. Um, I was doing stand up at the time, and I was going in less and less because I realised I could not go in for a week, and nobody would notice. Sometimes. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, that became that that happened quite a lot, and then. I was doing stand-up comedy and they were getting frustrated sometimes at me when I was like, well, I'm going to leave early because I'm going to do this gig. And it like it was part-time and by the end it cut the hours down dramatically. And I was like, I need to because this gig pays more than you're paying for a week. And I don't mean, oh, it's a massive money gig. I mean, this is a tiny money job. Yeah. You know, and they said that thing, which I don't know if you've ever had in jobs where you've got a thing that you love doing and they go, you need to decide whether this job's your, your priority or not. And yeah. yeah, my answer is I was like, oh, absolutely isn't yeah I oh good it. god like, no <laughs> yeah. yeah no this isn't my priority I, I'm, I'm annoyed that I'm here now <laughs> it's weird as well that isn't it when you look at how much you get paid for doing you know you like to do a middle spot or something and then you break you look at how much you get paid to do your your actual job and you're like oh god it's yeah. It, uh, I mean, I know it's not 20 minutes of work because that's you've what got we're like to, to like, say, travel in a way it is. Yeah. I it mean, like, is. Got, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, I mean, you've got to like travel there, you've got to write it, which you you write in and working it out unpaid and stuff. So, and it takes a long time to get to a point where you are earning actual money for yeah. comedy. So I see it as like back payment. But also, yeah. you're like, I've been at work an hour and I'm pissed <laughs> this is the best job and I'm with people I like and have loads in common with yeah yeah it's really like uh, to me I always feel like comedy is very different certainly where I live in the northeast of England where frankly if someone's back um backbitingly ambitious they leave anyway yeah so, <laughs> I've ten before I got into comedy I assumed you'd walk into a green room and everyone would be like very protective of their spot and not but not people like most people are dead nice yeah I don't want to say similar to me but we already know we have stuff in common which to talk about which is also lovely whereas at every job 
I would say stuff and people would look at me like, you know, like I was some dangerous freak. I just made a quip. I made a light-hearted quip. Please. <laughs> Humour? Yeah. You, do you Can know it? Try? Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah. And whereas comedy is genuinely nice, but, but sometimes with all that taken into account, like all the years of work after work to get paid and all of, and the travel and things like that, sometimes you do get paid an amount that prevents you ever getting a proper job again after a while because you sort of go, so I could do that or I could get a sort of mediocre egg on a Tuesday and cover that. Yeah. So I do see a lot of people who are trapped as comedians who would much <laughs> rather do something else, but financially they're like, well, that would be stupid. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, and by the way, for anybody, it's not, I don't mean we're paid loads. No, no. Is necessarily, but the, the amount of times you have to go to work to pay ratio is pretty healthy. Yes. Yeah. And well, I mean, just sort of on that, I was, I did a gig um, fairly recently and the headliner was saying that he'd done it the same gig uh, in like 2001 and the fee was the same. Yeah. So it's not, it's not really kept up with inflation. It's not, but also part of me thinks you were overpaid in 2001. Re- right. Yeah. I don't get it. Cause I was reading Stuart Lee's book and he was like, Oh yeah, you know we all just was it Stuart Lee? No, it might have been someone else. I don't know that era of comedian yeah. who was like we all just lived in a squat on Tottenham Court Road and we just popped down to the comedy store and doing it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so easy. And there's only twelve comedians in the world. You know? yeah. yeah, yeah. And I was on television within six months yeah. of my first spot, and you're like, I have been fucking yeah. dick. It's awful, isn't it? A fella, called, a fella called Mike Milligan, who um, is a comedian who lives around here, who, who um, he's been going a long time. He's, he's been going since the late 80s, and he was one of the regular comedians at Junglers, and he's done a lot of, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's an old gentleman now. He's a very funny comic, if a bit, you know, sometimes a bit needy. But he's, um, he once said to me in a rare moment of self-reflection, he said, um, Lee, the thing is, what people don't realise is 2002 was an incredible time to be a mediocre comedian. <laughs> you know, there was just 52 weeks of weekends of work for everyone who wanted it. And that yeah. isn't the case now. It's just, that's never coming back. Yeah. It's um, it's just hard work getting anywhere with it, yeah. isn't it, really? Oh, yeah. And to the point where I've had to work out strategies against jealousy. <laughs> you know like because yeah. I, I see that especially with people who've been going a bit longer than me who from that era almost who think of that as the norm whereas I don't think that I think that's a blip you know a yes. positive blip but a blip who are constantly furious that anyone knew other than them which is like 20 years is getting on telly because they haven't served that and you go actually it's just such naivety like for someone who's been in comedy for so long to kind of go you must know how it works you must know what the game is yeah. Like, I think to me, I think it's healthy to go, okay, what are you, Lee? You're a 43 year old man from the North with no distinguishing characteristics. And I'm a good stand up, right? I'm pretty yeah. funny and all that. But it's like, I wouldn't put me on telly. <laughs> like, why, why, why would they? You know, for them to choose me, it would be such a random potluck of all the many middle aged straight white men. Like, why should it be me? It's, well, I think it's, um, it's nicer now. I feel like television is opening up more to people who have a regional accent yeah. and haven't been to private school and you know uh, just anything 
other than the you know uh, but it's like, still it's still with a with an I mean with a huge element of tokenism as well which is frustrating as in you don't get to be a comedian you get to be say I let's say they put me on telly they shouldn't I'll ruin it like I'll say <laughs> I something I shouldn't just, just to be naughty and I'll you know don't, please don't but if they did it would be here, here is a comedian from the northeast it wouldn't be here as a comedian is I guess the difference and I'm not going to name the names it's someone who does a bit of work on telly and writing for radio and stuff but he said to me he said Lee um they do want more working class voices on the BBC they do want that but they would rather they'd been to Oxford for four years first yeah <laughs> which I think is the difference you know the one that had to go like yes you've got that accent but you know how to you know how to act you know I think it's the yeah. slight difference but that's it, isn't it? It's um, a, an interesting point you bring up about how it's uh, southern comedians are comedians, northern comedians are northern yes. comedians. Yes. Oh, I did a thing once when I was just feeling needlessly troublesome a few years ago where I went on to the unesteemed comedy website, Chortle. Fucking, I don't care anymore. <laughs> I went on to Chortle web and I went through the reviews of every comedian I could think of from the northeast of England. Yeah. To see if they mentioned whether where they were from or not. Yeah. Or they all did. I made a list of it and it was like this person, like whether they were well known or not well known. And there was like dozens of them, and it was like Northeastern, chirpy Northeastern accent. Uh, sounds like Sarah Millican, stuff like that. You know? yeah. There was only two they didn't mention it for. Right. Um, one was David Callahan, whose stuff is almost plays as much as it is um, comedy. So it was almost like they're going, well, he probably isn't really, because look how intellectual this is. And yeah. the other was Chubby Brown, who I think they went, well, he's racist, of course he's from the North. <laughs> we don't need to mention yeah, it. <laughs> that's taken as red, isn't it? Of course he is. <laughs> he's so old now as well, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Still and, and I keep hearing from people, like when you work in theatres occasionally, yeah, he's always been in and I was like, he's such a lovely man. And you go, mm. but I want that not to be true. Yeah, I was listening to some of his stuff uh, and... Uh, you know, you're like, oh, this is quite good. Oh, that's great. Oh, and a racial slur. Oh, yeah. no. Yeah. And it's, he, he can't do it. He's, it's not like he's not a good comic, but it's mm. just, it's just, I suppose once you go down that path, you're trapped in that path, aren't you? Yeah. That's yeah. It, like, there's no way back for him now. It's, yeah, it's what the people want from yeah. you, unfortunately. Yeah. But an ever aging, dying audience want from you. Yeah. <laughs> At the end, there's of no the way you, well, I've had a thought. I want to do some lovely observational stuff now. Yeah, <laughs> it's too late. It's too I'm gonna go a bit uh to mention actually with my uh so like heartfelt songs that are meaningful yeah. but quite funny as well. Yeah. It's too late, Roy. You've made your bed and it's got white sheets on it. <laughs> oh, god bless him. Well, no, <laughs> god, god no. bless him to an extent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. A, a little bit. <laughs> I guess, for being nice yeah. to newcomers yeah. in the green room. Yeah, it's something, isn't it? Something. Yeah, because not, not everybody not. is. Yeah. So at what point did you your your comedy journey begin? Wait, did you did you always want to do it? Did you know that you were gonna do it from when you that is a job or was it a I, hobby? I think I always was always gonna do it. Um so I shared a flat with my friend Louis and when I was, I would have been 21, he was maybe 19, and mm -hmm. we were sort of writing a double act then, which was like in like 2000-ish. But then nothing ever happened with that, and then we sort of became 
wrestlers for a while. I mean, it sounds okay. mad when you say that loud. So yeah, I wrestled between 2000 and 2019. Oh, wow. 2009, sorry, not 19, so nine years. <laughs> That's a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It still was a long time. And that filled up a lot of my sort of creative impulse, I guess. Yeah. That's concentrated. And I did enjoy, but like, I look back now with regret at it, but at the time, it's quite a creative process. And I will say, people outside of it who don't know anything about it, I don't think we'll realise this, but I will say, being a good wrestler is a lot harder than being a good comedian. Like yeah. It's, as a creative thing, because you've got all this physical stuff, which I wasn't good at. I'm not massively athletic. But there's also like crowd psychology and lots of different stuff you wouldn't necessarily think of. And it's very difficult to get a hold of. Mm. And then about mid-2019, I suddenly thought, I don't want to do this anymore for various reasons. I don't want to do this. I want to try stand-up comedy. Now, I'd known a stand-up comedian, um, Stefan Petty, all that time. Like his, he, was, he wrestled a bit as well. And his last match was against me. And I realised what I should have done is years earlier, I went, how do you start being a stand-up comedian then? But yeah. I thought you'd go, you can't, you'll be shit. So I just didn't. <laughs> and then it became too much and I looked into it and I did my first gig around October 2009. Right. And was, I think, one of the worst new acts I've ever seen. Oh, <laughs> I'm but sure in a, that's in not a good true. Way. No, no, it is, it is. I could genuinely, I had a sort of weird self-belief that I knew I would get all right one day. Yeah. But I also knew that what I was, because... I think I did a thing which is very common, which it's hard to write jokes. Mm. And I don't think you, you assume you can. And then you're like, oh, so and I think that's why I'm always a bit forgiven of newer acts when they just go out of shock, because I get it, because I think I did that first because you go, oh, well, that will get a response. Yeah. And it wasn't me. I'm not a shocking person. I'm quite a mild mannered person in reality. And I just want people to have a nice time. But I didn't know how to do that. But yeah. I had a feeling I would learn. So I, and I think if I'd have stopped within like 20 gigs I think I would have been one of those people who people reminisce about going do you remember him he was mad yeah <laughs> you know I think I would have definitely been one of them yeah like uh, one of the uh the circuit legends yeah but in a very negative way <laughs> <laughs> so was it did you like were you into comedy or not because some people aren't before they I, I, I am but I'm not beholden to it if that makes sense so I, I know a few people who I think are such big fans of comedy I think mm. it stymies them in terms of being comedians like I know people who have got great 20 minute sets who haven't added anything new to it for years because they're scared of trying new stuff in case it doesn't work and they're somehow letting down comedy and I'm like I've never had that I did it I've done it because I wanted to do it not because I, I feel the need to add some sort of comedy legacy for the world you know what I mean like so I do like, I don't, I do like it, but it was never, I don't think I was ever someone who felt the need to watch everything or it was my main interest. Yeah. It was more something I wanted to do than something I wanted to watch, I guess. Yeah. Um, like I never went to comedy clubs before I started. Before I started, I wrote an entire hour show because I thought that's what you did. Really? Wow. Yeah. Oh, I never performed it. I've, I, I found it a couple of years ago and that got deleted. Like, there's just no way. Oh, there why is do you no keep way. it? Oh, I, I'm, bl I'm blushing thinking about it. It's like finding a teenage diary, you know, yeah. where I just, no, no, no. But that I didn't know that people did five-minute sets in the build-up. I, I just didn't know. Um, which, again, is why I'm forgiven of new acts getting things wrong, because, of course, like, we assume that everyone knows how these things are and they know all the terminology and stuff. And I think a lot of people are just, like, dreamers who are just like, I'd love to do that. And I think I was that. 
And I yeah. think I knew I'd get all right. And eventually I got all right and plateaued there. Was it, um, was it a, did you go into it as a creative outlet or did you go into it thinking this is something that I would like to do for work? And let, let me, I'll have to consider that because I'm definitely a creative out, outlet in that. Like I say, I wrote an hour show before doing it, which yeah. shows I was obviously, even though it was crap, I was on a rich vein of at least trying to be creative, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's not, it's not easy to write an hour particularly oh, when and, you don't know how to write jokes i tell you what i made it look very difficult <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, i think i don't think i would have went into it thinking there was a necessarily career in it in this part of the country yeah. um i just don't think there's many there is now and um, there's more scope to be a professional comedian in the northeast now it's different mm-hmm. but i know for example and i wouldn't have known this at the time but i think not long before then gavin webster was the only professional comedian living in Newcastle for years. Wow. Yeah, everyone else moved to London. He made a choice. I know his agent asked him to, and he went, well, I don't want to, I want to stay here. And he said, it made, and he said, it would have been easier for me if I did, because people thought I was difficult, but I wanted to live here. And now there's enough in travels, I guess not easier because of the price of petrol and stuff, but the, there are maybe more gigs around here now, or more gigs in viable distance. Yeah. Like it now seems a more reasonable thing to be able to stay. But so there's no, I would have been, I think, massively naive to think that there was any sort of living in it for us. And I think yeah. I just wanted to do it. And I think I thought I would be good. But no, I don't think I even knew about those gigs existing. I think I thought what you did is you start and then you do the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, and then you do an hour show there. And then they'll probably give you a theatre tour, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I think I probably figured that that was the route that, that your best case scenario anyway. Yeah, you just get picked up and it's fine yeah. from there. Because <laughs> well, I didn't realise how many comedians there was. I thought it was basically the ones on telly and about four others. Yeah. You know, who were going to be on telly soon. I thought that was <laughs> roughly what they had. The waiting list for television. Yeah, and sadly, there's fucking loads. Oh, so many people. But I think it's quite a oh. nice uh environment that I, I've never felt people talk about comedy being gladiatorial and stuff but I've never felt uh threatened by people or I've never felt like you know there's been the the green room no nah, like I think comics sort of understand each other like hmm. you can go out you can you, people who sort of are doing the stuff that you don't enjoy it's not good but you still have so much in common with them and go we've been in these things we've been because I found audiences occasionally gladiatorial, but they shouldn't be. No. Uh, they, that's when the gig's not right. And sadly, because I'm a not famous comedian who this is my job, I've had to learn how to be adaptable. And there's times I've played rooms I'd rather not be in and I've learned how to get by. Yeah. But that shouldn't be common. You know, it shouldn't no. be. Like, I think there's a fear when you're new that audiences are out to get you. And on the whole, they're not. They've paid and they want to, have, they want to like you. You've yeah. just got to give them reason, you know, like, which is, I think, why a lot of new acts tend to, uh, v- tend to edge towards being quite deadpan because they don't want, they want to have an excuse when it doesn't work and go, I didn't want it to work anyway. Whereas yeah. actually, if they just lightened up and said hello, people would go, oh, hello. You know, it's normally not that hard. It's, yeah. But I think- the idea that comedians are all awful, I, and I say that again with all of the caveats that I'm aware people different types of people will have different feelings and I understand that we have different experiences and I'm coming at this from the 
tedious position of a straight white man. I get that. But I would say, certainly in this part of the country, most of, for example, the women who do comedy would say it's a nice place to do comedy, you know, and I think most of the country is, because not like I just do comedy around here, I, I, you know, and I've hardly met any pricks in comedy. Yeah. I'm not going to say none, because there's some absolute nightmares, but they normally either get famous or fuck off. Yeah. So. <laughs> One of the two. There's, yeah, yeah, I think it's, um, there are fewer than I expected. Uh, yeah, not none. Don't don't misunderstand me, everybody. It's not none. <laughs> I've met some of the worst people in the world, but oh, God, yeah. <laughs> there was one. I'm not going to name his name, but he died recently, right? Um, in the northeast, and he was mostly for a But he's such a. I don't even want to say divisive figure. He was such an unpleasant person to be around. And I know that sounds bad, but if you'd met him, I promise, right? Like the stories I could tell you, like this is not a person who deserves, you know. It's sad that he died in the way it's sad when anyone dies. But yeah. But even the Facebook posts people are putting up, everyone had a caveat with like, look, I know he wasn't for everybody. Like nobody <laughs> just put, isn't this a shame? You know, it was always like, look, a person's a person. <laughs> you know, you have loved ones. <laughs> you know, but most oh, people amazing. are over. And I'm aware telling me that telling that anecdote makes me sound awful, but I will also say you you didn't meet him. No, no, that is, that's fine. I think I like the honesty that people have to have in that situation. Yeah, because people couldn't bring themselves to go, oh God, how sad, because people would have went, well, you hated him. Yeah, what? <laughs> he was horrible to you. <laughs> yeah, he was, yeah. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was a prick, yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. So you were doing your caretaking job. That was your worst one. What other yeah. jobs have you hated? <laughs> <laughs> I support... Oh man, so I worked at Morrison's. I hate that. I hated you know, it. I've never, I've applied for pretty much every single supermarket and they've never even given me an interview. So well done it... on getting in. Well, I think I was on at the right time. Uh, right. They were just opening a big store in Jarrow that needed people fast. Mm. I'd just been a, I say I'd just been to university. I'd sort of just been to university, right? Yeah, how so? I did go to university, but again, I don't know if this is, like, I don't know what it is. I think I'm not an unintelligent person, but I think I just miss things. Right. So I didn't I didn't know when it started. So I sort of turned up a couple of weeks in just going, I thought you'd send us a letter or something. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I got me student loan and realised that, I turned up a couple of times and just thought, nah, this isn't for me. Mm. Um, but, but I didn't tell them and I just sort of drifted away. <laughs> and then because I'd been on an employment benefit through the second year of college and right. in fairness, they were good to me. They sort of went, look, I'm away here at college doing your A-levels. We'll try to keep it so that you can still get this money. Um, if somebody above us picks up on it, we might have to make it, but you know, let, yeah, yeah, do that. But because of that, and then I went to university. And then when I went back, went, so you've left university on, yeah. And they made me, um, they sent me to a charity shop where I got stalked. Um, oh, God. Yeah. It, it seems a more convoluted life than it's been to live, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got stalked by this creepy boy. And um, which I'll, I'll, I'll not go into that because I, I hope he's not still listening to me stuff 20 odd years old. But, yeah. <laughs> but I, now, now I've mentioned it. Yeah. <laughs> And um, so I had to go and be in a charity shop, which was frankly, like, 
it was sort of all right in some ways. Like there was bits of it I didn't hate, mm. but it felt like you were there to be a bit demeaned. Yeah. You know, I don't mean the shop itself, but I mean when they would send you on these workshops and. So was that um, unpaid? Yes, that was unpaid. Oh. So I could still get the benefits. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was a bit grim. So when the job at Morrison's came up, I thought, well, I will apply for that. Mm-hmm. And because I'd just been to university and I'm quite good at job interviews, I think. Yeah. Like, I think I'm not, I think because I really didn't want the job. So I went in just, just being quite greasy. And they <laughs> obviously saw something in me. And the bloke who interviewed me put me on, employed me in the bakery, which is the bit he ran, almost as if I think they were going, it was me and lots of like middle-aged to old women who was yeah. the first job after having that kids. So I think he'd went, oh, we'll get him in his management material and quickly realised, <laughs> oh, this bloke isn't no. at all. <laughs> no. And moved me over to making the donuts where I had to get in at 5 or 6 a.m. every morning. Oh, my God. You were just eating donuts I know, man. And, I know. And it's life ruining that sort of hour. It is. Yeah. It's like, well, I now don't have a life, really. Mm. And I remember it seemed to snow every day as I cycled. <laughs> and it seemed to snow the whole time. And I, and I was in there. Um, and clearly you could see my heart wasn't in it. So they moved me over out of the cafe, which was yeah. fine, actually. That was fine. That was there was some there was a lass in there who I knew. So at least I was like, oh, there's a friend from outside of here. So I can and then they tried to move me to the fishmongers. And I thought, I'm not working in the fishmongers. No, that's you not stink, right. Yeah. So they moved me to the pie bit where I had to um, work in a windowless room in between a windowless room and a freezer for nine hours, putting stuff on trays. And I just oh. thought this is. This Sounds not, ideal. Yeah, I do not enjoy this. I do not, And I remember waking up one morning and just thinking, oh, I've got to go to work. And then thinking, no, I don't. <laughs> and I just sort of turned around and didn't go in. And they, were, they kept sending me messages going, you have to come in. I was like, ah, oh, I'm not in. And then they sent me, saying, we have to go to a tribunal. And I remember just the power of thinking, I don't. You can't make me go to a tribunal. And then and the yet- fella who was... Sorry? I don't have to go in. And then the fellow who was the, in charge of the pie counter, who incidentally was called David Savory, which I think is lovely. <laughs> uh, he said he got a message to me saying he was going to um, beat me up if he ever saw me out drinking in South Shields or not <gasps> coming in. That is such a specific thinking, threat. Yeah, but I do remember thinking, I don't go out in South Shields, it's fucking awful. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not in any danger. So while that was a great short-term fix of just not wanting to go to work, it did mean that I couldn't afford my flat anymore and had to move back in with people that for a bit. Right. But, <laughs> but I still stand by. I don't think anyone's ever regretted leaving a job. No. No, no I, I I've left... Think no one looks back wishing they're still there. No, I've left ones where you're like, I've got nothing to go to. Mm. And even then you're like, I just... If you're in that position where you just roll over back in bed or you just walk out it was yeah. never a place that was healthy for you to be no absolutely not and it's not I don't actually think there's anything particularly wrong with it as a job and I think the no. problem is mine I do think that and I think again like this ADHD diagnosis I'm working on like when I look back I can see that that was me not being in a comfortable place through not really any fault of theirs yeah but I did still hate it. I did still have that question that they asked where I was going to a wrestling show and I asked if I could like leave on time. And they were like, oh, you need to clean this up. I've done my work. And they said, you need to 
is this job your priority? And, and again, I'm like, no, it isn't. It's a thing I do for money. Yeah. Like, yeah, I Who, did have that. In what world do you live in that you think this is my priority? I know, but it is. It is so many of their priorities. I, fa- yeah. I wanted to run the first day of the induction when they started talking about pensions. And I immediately went, oh, God. And about the different amount of years you had to work there to get more holiday. And people were like, ooh, at 20 years, I thought, I can't, I can't. <laughs> My instinct then was I was already feeling a bit sick, going, yeah. no. And they, I think because they got a lot of people, and this is to their credit, who hadn't worked for a long time, mm-hmm. I think it, it was easy to mould them into a thing that they felt beholden to them and part of a wider family which is actually, as we all know, a con that jobs play to make you loyal to a thing that yeah. would replace you tomorrow if you drop down dead, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and if, if you look at, so this is Morrison's in Jarrow where it, where it was, and I worked there a long time ago, really. But if you Google Jarrow Morrison, look them up on YouTube, Jarrow Morrison's. Yeah. They have made music videos. And they're mortifying. They are, no. <laughs> like... They made some videos about, hey, we're doing well in the store today and people are the store going, oh, let's do a check and things like that. But some they've made like Footloose and Thriller where they've obviously stayed behind late after work and practised and filmed it. And I can just imagine being there and them going, are you going to stay? And go, absolutely not. Like, this is the worst thing I can imagine. Because there's a thing which I think is very particular, like to South Tyneside, I think, uh, where Jarrow is. I think it's a strange place in that... um, Gavin Webster, I referenced before, said it's like it's an island because yeah. there's no reason to go there to get to anywhere else. Right. <laughs> and he described it as a place where if you're in a pub, there's always a bloke who can get you a snuff movie. It's that sort of place, <laughs> you know. And yeah. Jarrow was once described to me, and I didn't realise this till I moved, and I only moved one town along the South Shields, but someone described Jarrow to me as it's a town where everyone's up to something, and it's absolutely true. Like, <laughs> like... And I've stood by a lot of this in that the worst thing I was always told you could do when I was a kid was to um, grass on somebody who's claiming benefits while working. Like that's, mm. and I, I stand by that. Like, I don't care, like good luck to them. But that was, it was only after I left Jarrow or started doing comedy really that I met people for whom that wasn't their opinion. Like to me, that was the most mainstream thing I heard when I was a kid. That was the worst thing you could absolutely do. Yeah. And that's because like in Jarrow, everyone's doing that. Yeah. So while it, while it is a place of tremendous unemployment, like South Shields is 26% of households unemployed. Oh dear, right? That's that. a horrific statistic. That is a yeah. fucking horrific statistic. But there is a fair few of them employed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I know unemployed. enough people to know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I can look at that and go, oh, that's nice that half of them are still signing on. You know? <laughs> what were you up to? My foolishness is that I don't think I was. I think oh. I was too lazy to bother. <laughs> You know, it wasn't that, it wasn't a moral issue. It was more like, oh, I have to do that. You know? But my wife knew it from... Yeah, Jarrow's greatest man. (laughs) The the thing is, like, and I still still fight a lot of that instinct. Like, my wife is slightly more straight-laced than me and more organised in these things. And I'm always the one who was like, well, why do I have to be my tele-licence? Why do I have to do this? And her argument is... Lee, I work in a court. I can't go get you fined for not having a tele license. But in yeah. my head, I'm like, ah, they'll not catch you. No. I think the only thing worse than having to go to court is go to court and know everybody there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you mean for? You don't need to. <laughs> uh, you're all right. Yeah. You're all right, Gary. Dave. Yeah, but now I can't go to court in case I embarrass her. I'm not even allowed to do crimes. 
Oh God, how restrictive. I know, right? <laughs> Sounds awful. <laughs> not even any of the fun crimes, not the bad ones. No, no. <laughs> Don't ask me what a fun crime is. I've not got nothing in my mind here. So I'm worried I'll say one of the bad ones because I can't think of another. So <laughs> Just a cheeky bit of drug deal. I mean, um... <laughs> Just, um, yes. Let's move on from crimes. Yeah, yeah, we'll move on from crimes. <laughs> so, um, well, I mean, what, so we, we've done the bad jobs. What, and I always try and come roll towards the end of the podcast with nice jobs on a positive note. Mm-hmm. What nice jobs have you had? It's just this, usually, to be honest. <laughs> it is up. like, yeah, I've not had it. I think. And again, this isn't me going, oh, I'm so special. I just think I never found any life before this. That was, that didn't feel like, how come this is happening? Like, I wish I was somebody who was good at having a job. Yeah. But, and it's not that I didn't try. It's that it's, it's like, some of them I didn't. But on the whole, like, I, I was doing my best. It just, it never, people were never happy with what I did. And yeah. I was just like, I don't know how to do this better you know and I never felt comfortable around normal people (laughs) and I never did and comedy is like and there's bits of it I hate like and they're the bits you focus on aren't they with anything yeah sometimes you have to sit down and go oh actually I've seen a lot of places I'd never go I've met some brilliant people I've traveled if not the world to some places in the world that there's no reason to assume I'd go to like Mm -hmm. I get up at noon you know, I've got a creative outlet and it's at the minute it's stymied. Like since COVID, I don't feel as creative, but that can come back, you know. Yeah. Um, and the fact that there is gigs that are horrific sometimes, while at the time not feeling a small price to pay, it is a small price to pay, isn't it? Yeah. And it's usually quite a good story for a car. Yeah. Down Later on, it's normally fine, isn't it? Mm. yeah that's it later on you're like well I hated that and the memory of the gig's never going to leave us but a thing happened yeah I got paid at the end of it I got paid the same amount as if it had been wonderful yeah they They may have begrudged giving us it but I have got it (laughs) I got paid for a gig um I'm going to tell you about this fuck it I don't care I got paid it it just seems unusual because I didn't do the gig and it's because they cancelled the booking the day before right right because for some reason I think I was angry. I put something out about tw- on Twitter about how I wish Boris Johnson had died of COVID, right? Which I stand I by that too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I stand by that. But especially since you got it at a fucking party. Yeah. Come on, pal. Yeah. Sorry, interrupted. Yeah. I wish it had been great. Wouldn't it have been really fun? Oh god, but, um, best I know, right? But sadly, he lives. Yeah. But um. I posted that and I deleted it quickly because I thought, you know what, I haven't got time today anyway. Like, yeah. what, what is the, point? you know what I mean? Like, I've just, I've got to go out. And then I got a message from this place going, um, and they didn't say it was because of that tweet, but it was sent like about 10 minutes after that tweet saying, right. oh, we don't think we'll be using you at this gig tomorrow. And there's no other reason. And it was decent money because mm. it was in, it was in a castle in Whitby during the day on a Thursday, right? And uh, it was for, I'm not going to name the brand or anything, but it was for um, miners, by which I mean people who dig mines, not okay. children. <laughs> right. And I just thought there's something wrong here. If miners in the northeast of England 
are pulling me from a gig because I've slagged off Boris Johnson. Yeah, that's yeah. weird. But here's the thing. They paid in advance. <gasps> Did they give it back? Just, well, they said, oh, they got back quite sheepishly going, oh, how are we going to get this money back off you? And I said, well, I'm happy to send some of it back. I'm not stealing your money, but I'm going to keep half because you've cancelled within the day of the gig. And yeah. they sort of went, oh, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I'll get in touch later with details how to send the rest back. They haven't. It's been months. It's been about three months now. Basically, I'm having that. Yeah, yeah. I'm having that, right? Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. And I do like that. I've been. I'm so clearly. I'm so left wing that I've been cancelled by minors because my views <laughs> against the Tories are so strong. It's not bad, is it? No, that is like the strongest accolade. What more do you want? <laughs> I'm well, so glad as well because you know when you take a gig and you go, this is going to be fucking awful. There's yeah. No way this gig is going to be good. If only there was some way I could get paid for this gig without having to do it. <laughs> I might start doing it every every gig I booked for, just tagging the bit as something horrific. <laughs> <laughs> like my ideal living, as much as I like comedy, my ideal living is to get booked for comedy gigs that mm-hmm. cancel without enough notice. Yeah. That would be a great living, wouldn't it? Oh my god! Whenever I'm doing a show, I'm like, buy a ticket, and then whether you come does not matter to me. Yeah, like, I'd rather you didn't come. I want to sell out this show, but none of you come, and then <laughs> yeah. I get paid, and and I don't have to do anything. Oh, I love it so much. I love it when it cancels and they think they're going to be disappointed. They go, I'm mm. really sorry. Look, you can have the money, but oh god, and you go, I know, I know, I really want to compare in the back room of your pub as well i've got it <laughs> don't know how i can go on but i do love it still i do love yeah. comedy honestly usually <laughs> but well i think that's a I, i've never been upset that a plan has been cancelled the only no. time i'm upset is if i'm already there or if i've had to cancel something else to do it or if mm. i've made a financial investment but even then though if there's a financial investment that isn't going to destroy us and someone goes, oh, do you want to stay on your couch watching um, the Athletics World Championship for three hours? I think I do want that, yes. Yeah. I would rather do that. I would <laughs> rather I would rather doors off while the really heats are on, thank you. <laughs> Perfect. I guess at the end of the day, it is you are still going to work, even yeah. though it's work that you enjoy. That's the thing. It's still there's still an obligation isn't there there's still like mm-hmm. because the bits of it i enjoy i guess are the bits the magic moments that you don't expect or the hanging around with people you like but ultimately there is still a bit of control when someone that you have to be here at this time which yeah. i'm understand that's the price for living in a society yeah but it is still my brain instinctively pushes against it i still have to no. fight that <laughs> yeah i don't want to be like i'm a child to be honest i know it's embarrassing but i'm still like no i don't want to be because you said i have to you know, I'll not do it now then I don't even want to sounds rubbish you're rubbish what is the uh, most sort of traumatic gig that you've had we all have one you know the benchmark one that you use you're like well that was bad but at least it wasn't I'll tell you the one that I, I mean and I've had as we all have some horrific gigs right and this one isn't the most visceral in terms of but it's the one that I always think of when people say this yeah <sighs> And I think the reason is because it was the first gig I did after I left my job to right. just do this. And the reason I left that job, that was for was they'd cut my hours down to nine hours a week. And I thought, this is pointless. I'll just, yeah, I'll just fuck this off, you know. It's more in transport to get there than that. Yeah, I so this isn't worth it. You know, I'll just stop. And 
to be honest, I think they were gradually cutting me hours down because they didn't want me there anymore, but they didn't want to have to pay redundancy. Because, right. but uh, and in the end, I just sort of gave up on the fight and went to ask for it. Yeah, I, just, I don't even want to be here anyway. And it was Christmas, early December, Middlesbrough Town Hall, and mm-hmm. that's a good gig, man. It's like a big gig too. It's like 300, 400 people in. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it was a good lineup. Paul Tonkinson was headlining. Ellis James was opening. Um, Ian Boldsworth was compared when he used to be called Ray Peacock, which is a ridiculous sentence to say. But <laughs> it, but there was just, they didn't, they weren't into it, man. They, but part of the reason, I know a lot of people have came to see Jason Cook, who was meant to be comparing, who is yeah. around here, like a bit of a local legend, you know. But yeah. I know he, his TV show, he just made heaven and that had just come out. And I think he'd had a bit, He'd ha- he decided he needed a bit of time off. He was having a bit of stress, understandably, you know. So the company yeah. wasn't the one they expected, and so some people called him out about it. Just called, oh, "Where's Jason?" And he was like, "Well, Jason's not here. It's not like if I'm not here, Jason's going to come." Like, <laughs> yeah, and Ellis went, on, "Yeah, he's not. This is what you've got, and it's a good lineup. It is good." And Ellis went on. He did all right, you know, but it wasn't rocking mm-hmm. by any means. It was a bit like, "Oh," and I don't know what happened. But as I walked to the stage. They collectively went, no, fuck off. <laughs> fuck it's off. weird, that and, isn't it? How that happens. Oh, and I think now I've compared a lot more. I would know. I would have ways around. I would dip into them, and I would do that, and I would try to get something going. Mm-hmm. But then I did a sort of prop act, and it was just nah. They weren't buying into it. They just weren't at all. And I tried. And the only laugh I got the whole time was when I went, "I left my job this week." <laughs> And that was it. That, oh, yeah. that was it. And I got back. I got back. And the fella who was promoting it, I just went, look, I know. And he went, look, it happens, man. Um, I went, part of me wants to say, don't pay us the money. He said, I said, but I do want the money. <laughs> he went, yeah, he had to do a professional thing. It didn't work out. But yeah, that's not, you know, he was like, never, don't take the money. But yeah, yeah. it's a weird thing because it's one of about three gigs I had in that week or so where I just had horrific gigs. Yeah. Just, I just was really shit for a bit and it's cost that that week of gigs I think cost me work with three promoters that really? three of them have had us back since but not with any degree of regularity yeah. you know I think yeah. even though I'm much different this was 2013 I'm a very different act then but there's still that element of going oh I'm not sure yeah. you know and I think that definitely happened with those three gigs where they were just like no nah, I'm not going to rush to have him back so was that in the, because I think usually people, if it is just that, you know, a room isn't very forgiving or whatever, people, promoters have seen enough comedy to know like, oh, you're a good act. It just wasn't your night or they were just there for that TV name or, you know, whatever, like people, they've seen enough that they can see. So what was, what do you feel like it was on you or was it just? I, I might be putting words into their mouth. Like it might be a case where they've just went, oh, actually I didn't really like it or... You know, maybe it's just because they all have booked us since on occasion. Maybe it's just like there's other people that prefer or whatever. But that's just how it felt. The fact that it was, it felt like everything was getting on top of us. I think in that there was those three bad gigs so close to each other. It mm-hmm. just felt like this felt like a, almost a ruination of what I'd worked for. Like, and it isn't yeah. because there's a thing that Ian Bolsworth told us that night, which I thought was great. It was like, look, you've had a shit gig. And he was great, actually. Like, he was, like, somebody booed us, and he went on and told them off after. He's like, look, I'm not having you boo an act. You might not have liked it. might not have worked tonight. 
but I'm not having you disrespect him like that. And he sort of offered the bloke outside, which was pretty brilliant. Yeah, and he came and said to me, he said, look, yeah, he came up to me and said, look, I've died loads. What I like to do when I die that badly is think, fuck it, I'm going to sink the gig and drag it into the ground. And I went, that's all well and good, <laughs> but I don't get I don't get the same amount of work you get. And he went, the thing is, you'll take this gig seriously and it'll upset you. But the truth is, there's always another gig. And yeah. I think that's great advice. And it's mm. advice I would give to people when they're new and everything, gig seems so important, which is actually the more stressed you get, the worse you are. The, yeah. the best gigs I've ever had is when I don't give a fuck at all. That's like, it, it's, isn't it? it's really hard that. to get in that mindset. But if I can be in the green room chatting to three friends, not even thinking about the gig and then my name's called and I go out and compare, that's great. That you're in that right mindset to beef rather than sat there going, what joke will I do next? And then I'll say this. And you go, nah, just fuck that off. You've got your jokes in your head. You know you have. Go out and be mm-hmm. funny. And I wish I'd learned that in 2013 rather than about 2018, to be honest. By which time the chance of me being a hot new app, they'd long passed. (laughs) (laughs) But I think you need to have a certain amount of um, experience behind you. And it can, you know, I guess it it takes a different amount of time for people to get that experience and get that comfort in going, well, you know what, I, I know that these jokes work. I know that I am competent yeah. and if this doesn't work then it just it is what it is yeah and it's like like I say I've had to develop a lot of strength in the ball just shooting needing the work mm. like it means that I can play and I'm not saying I'm the best or anything like that but it means that I'm competent at a lot of different types of gigs a lot of which yeah. I wish I wasn't <laughs> but that's that's having a mortgage in it like yeah you know yeah. I say mortgage, like I've got a mortgage in South Shields. That's not a London mortgage, everybody. No. You know, <laughs> basically three figures. And um, yeah, and I think, but what that has done, that's built up a sort of a confidence I don't naturally have in myself. Of going, you know what? If you throw us into a situation, I'll be fine. Yeah. I might not be the best thing you've ever seen, but I know how to do what my job is now. And that's sort of a night. Like, and as it is, like, you talk to people who are a bit newer than you and you're trying to give them, they'll ask you uh, an opinion on stuff and you go, you're getting yourself worked up. But of course they are because they haven't got that time behind them. Mm. And, like I used to do that, of course I did. And it's great to be able to go, oh, I'm not fucking bothered. Even though I am bothered, you know, yeah. but that's the, the, but that's, and realise that all of this stress, like I've been talking to a friend of mine who's doing really well. I'm not going to name her because it's not her business, but she's a lot newer than me. She's from the same estate I'm from in Jarrow, which is frustrating that she's already more successful <laughs> than us. And it means we've got a lot in common because it's an unusual sort of estate. And South Tyneside, like I said, it's an odd place. It's a really weirdly shy place as well. Mm. Like I've found that when I do gigs in South Tyneside, it's really hard to compare because they sort of look away. And it's really strange. And she's sort of got that instinct, which is very funny. She's supporting a very well-known act on a theatre tour at the minute. And she's sort of going, I'm just really nervous all the time. Every gig I go out to, and I just, I'm stuck. She said, I sort of hate it. Like, I spend the whole day scared. And it's hard, mm-hmm. and I wish I could just get her to give less of a fuck. But the truth is, it's going to take another three or four years before she goes, oh, yeah, this doesn't matter. Ultimately, this doesn't matter. Yeah. Most of you live say you do a gig, don't even remember your name. They go, who was on last night? Oh, it's just, I don't know, there was, there was just four people, and one of them was all right. The uh, two of them were good, one of them was really great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. It's a sad truth, but it is. Like, yeah. over the years, I must have gig, I've gigged thousands and thousands and thousands of people, a lot of whom have enjoyed us, but <laughs> are not buying tickets to see me because they don't remember they've seen us. Yeah. That's just yeah. the truth. And that's yeah. a healthy truth to have to go, oh, yeah, there isn't any pressure. 
it's uh, it, it's quite liberating, isn't it? Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, it's liberating to get a bit older as well and kind of realise that not only am I not going to get famous, I don't actually want to. I really don't like. And it's hard because if that opportunity came, I suspect I would go okay then because I felt like I had to, right? Mm. But I know people who are famous through this and none of the lives are better for it. Yeah. I don't want to not be able to go to a shop, you know? Yeah, and the pressure of being announced onto a stage when people have seen you on television yeah. suddenly is a lot more... Because, yeah, than, than if you're just, like, somebody's. Yeah, I remember doing, uh, I think it was a Friday night at the stand in Newcastle, mm. and um, Chris Ramsey came along to just do 10 minutes of new stuff and got introduced on it. He got like a standing ovation on and wow. he had scraps of paper and he was like, honestly, like take your expectations down. I got, this is, I thought of this just now, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. it's a thing I remember hearing Jack D say once, that sounds like you told me, I don't know Jack D. He's <laughs> saying once, he said, the thing is, I've been a famous comedian for so long and I have an audience. But what it means is I don't know if I'm funny anymore. I don't know if what I write's good because they laugh at everything I ever say. I yeah. don't know if I'm a good comedian anymore. I've heard that one too. And that must be really difficult. Yeah, because he could go both ways and go, fucking hell, I'm amazing. But he's went, no, I can see what this is. And that's really wise of him because loads of yeah. people just go, God, look how loud they're all laughing. I must be the best comedian in the world. Yeah. yeah. I always think that would be amazing, wouldn't it, to sort of go... You know, like King Gong at the comedy store where people just scream yeah. abuse at you and you have to try and desperately stay on for five minutes without getting booed off. I think it would be so good to see, you know, a big name go on there and then, <laughs> yeah. but in disguise, you know, like, what is it called? The, the masked singer, but yeah. with comedy and just have somebody <laughs> go on there and then see truly what their material is and then at the end they just like like scooby-doo pull the mask off and they're like oh my it was god D Hunter all along. <laughs> yeah it was mcintyre um oh, that would be wonderful yeah it will definitely do a mask comedian one day won't they oh i hope i hope so oh, be, and i also hope you, not <laughs> yeah i had an idea for a show next year which i, I do sort of want to do which was do you remember the masked magician? No. Um, oh, it used to be on like, you know, stuff like the, the lower reaches of um, the sort of entertainment channels on the Skybox for years. So it would be this magician wearing a mask and he would give away magic's greatest secrets finally revealed. I sort of want to do that as a, a comedian, but don't tell anybody <laughs> because I want to disguise his voice. And they just go, he's, he's asking what you do for a living but he doesn't actually care. You know, they're giving away all the little things and stuff. And I was speaking to a, a friend of mine who's a lass, who's a comic, who, who says she wants to do it with us and she'd be the best female comedian who comes on in the middle. <laughs> she goes, you're not allowed on first because they're not sure if they can trust a woman. And stuff like that. Right. But that, that seems like it'll take too much work, so I probably won't. Yeah, that's a really good uh, idea. I like that. It's so nice, isn't it? He's asking if you like cats or dogs. But he's got a bit for both of them. <laughs> he's, he's hoping he's in dogs. A cat fit isn't as strong. <laughs> <laughs> so Luke, which wise men? Do you like cats or dogs? <laughs> <laughs> cats are shit, aren't they? Do you prefer dogs? Yeah. Oh, great. <laughs> oh, whoa, what are the chances? 
Yeah, it's a nice idea. I, I sort of want, so I want to do that as an hour show, but mm. it sort of ends as a horror movie. I don't know how that works yet, by the way, if you're thinking, what do you mean? I don't know yet. But I think it would be funny if it got like really horrific and suddenly everyone's scared. Don't know yeah. how. Well, I'm more um, a big picture guy, you know. <laughs> Did you ever watch uh, Tarot? So that was Gain Sam oh. Gift Shop and Goose oh, okay. uh, got together and they did a show, uh, sort of a sketch oh, show. Oh, I saw a poster for it recently. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And that was that. very, um, it, it, that was got a bit creepy. It was quite scary yeah. at the end. And uh, that was great. It's a bit like uh, a bit sort of League of Gentlemen. Yeah, um, yeah. I can see that in them, yeah. Yeah, which I thought was fun. And a bit, fr- I, had to work, I used to work at a theatre and I had to work it. And would get frightened every time, even though oh, I knew yeah. I knew everybody. Oh. <laughs> I knew exactly. Are you not good with horror and stuff? No, I knew oh. what was going on, and even so, <laughs> see, we watched so much horror, even though I'm only partly into it, because my wife um, really likes horror so much to the point where I said, "Can we just watch something else?" Like because <laughs> I like it, but it's like, can we put a drama on or a comedy and put something else on? I could see she was bored mm. and. She said, without even joking, after about 20 minutes, she went, does anyone even die in this? <laughs> no, I think it's a romance or something. Is uh, watching horror movies the, a nice release from her days working Maybe that's co-op? what it is. And you, oh. you think, we've not got enough. <laughs> you know, we don't have enough horrific stuff going on. I just want to relax to footage of a man <laughs> killing women. <laughs> loves it. She loves it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on that note, I think we've we've pretty much come to our time. Nice, thank you. Um, it's been lovely to talk to you, by the way. Yeah, it's been lovely. Um, what what have you got to plug? Where can people find you? I hear you're doing Edinburgh. Uh, Tell I'm us doing Edinburgh. I don't want to do Edinburgh. <laughs> I'll plug quickly plug me Edinburgh shows, which is um, I'm doing a kids show, which I know this doesn't seem a good idea, but I do kids comedy where I basically be horrible to the kids. Amazing. For an hour. I, for you. I fell into it because, like I say, I have to be adaptable. And it turns out if you don't like kids and you just like argue with them, then they quite like it. <laughs> um, I'm doing a show called An Actual Giant, where I try to persuade kids I'm a giant for an hour and they right. won't have it. Which is, <laughs> and I've also got a version of a Sex Pistols song in there because it's that. I don't know, I just wanted to. And that is at The Caves during the Fringe in the big room, which is too big. Oh. And then, I don't know, I, I don't want the pressure, but here we are. I don't want to do the fringe, everyone. I'm doing it because they moved it forward from two years ago, and now I just feel like I'm in a different place. Come and see me shows. And I'm doing another show in a lovely small room in the City Cafe, which is at about six o'clock or ten past six or something, which is called, what's it called? It's called Parochial Glitter Implosion, which is because in my head, I'm sort of like Mark Bolan or David Bowie, but I don't look like it, and I'm from a shit place where you're not allowed to express yourself. (laughs) But with a bit about class war, if there's time. Yeah. But can I mostly plug Felton Out, please? I will be very quick. Uh, Felton Out is the best idea we've ever had. Uh, um, So during lockdown, all comedians lost all of their work and panicked. And we we came up with an idea, which is to give work to all of the comedians in the Northeast. So um, by which I mean County Durham, Tannery and Northumberland. To be a member, you have to live in one of those places. And what we did, we set up a, a non-profit cooperative to give us more work. And in that time, the last two years, we've worked so hard, there's a load of, and it involves every comedian who lives in the Northeast, apart from a couple who are a bit iffy. 
and every comedian lives in the northeast can join apart from them too they know who they are and uh, <laughs> what it's meant is loads of us now can make a full-time living almost exclusively in the northeast we've loads more new gigs and workshops and everything and there's loads of stuff we're starting to get ways to get funded and it means that we some of us are putting 30 to 40 hours a week in unpaid but this is i'm recording this in the office we have where we make podcasts and everything and it's great it, because comedy is so many things you think of it it's just gigs but actually we're managing to do loads of other things tangentially related to comedy and i think it's the best thing a lot of us have ever done and it's so lovely it's lovely to be in an area where we can all work together almost equal so you've got headline acts and television acts around here who are chipping in and you've got brand new acts doing that first gig who there's a place for them to get better and get advice off like we had um people um so kelly edgar who won our new act of the year competition over zoom during lockdown yeah we opened uh, as part of a place a place called laurels in whitley bay uh, gig which at the time was every friday and saturday night but it was a bit difficult after lockdown so it's now every saturday and she won the, the prize of having the first weekend there. And I looked at her and she thought, she's done four gigs. And how brilliant is it that she's doing that? And actually, I say it's time that we had Durham North. I remember Paul Sinner was in the region at the time doing his show. And he said, do you want me to come and do 20 minutes? And I said, we can't pay you by the legal terms of our cooperative. You have to <laughs> live in this area. And he went, oh, I just want to come and help you out. It's a new gig. So which is fucking lovely. So the yeah. first weekend she was on with, I mean, myself and Andy Fury, who people won't know, but we're very established around here. We've gone a long time. Uh, Matt Reed, um, Paul Sinner, Lost Voice Guy, and Carl Hutchinson. Amazing. And it was just lovely to watch them not in any way patronise her and just help her out. And that she went on and didn't look out of place is a fucking wonderful testament to her. And it's been great to watch all of those people who don't have to help new acts because really we should be protecting what we do. Help loads. Because what we need is, and what we have got is, we need headline acts living in the area and we need as many of them as we can get. Because, yeah. and it's been great to watch. Sorry, I get very passionate about this. I'm sorry. No, no, we, it's such a good idea. I love oh, it. Lovely, man. So we have acts who used to be acts who would open and occasionally do middles who we've put into the position to go, no, you need a headline because you need to do it. Who don't necessarily believe in themselves, but we do. So people like, again, people like Neil Harris and Anya Atkinson and a few others who, We've had our gigs go on after people who were way more established. So we had Anya on last and Dave John's opening for the same fee and go, no, Anya, you're going last. And you go, but that's Dave, he's off, he's off high Daniel Blake. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. follow him. And she can. I'm not saying she's better than him because that's ridiculous. He's been going 30 odd years. But the fact that she stepped up and was able to, and I think that's great. And it's been lovely to watch these people grow in confidence and get better. Yeah, so, that's such a good idea. It, and I just love it. I just, I, I wish it could happen in other parts of the country, but I think there's reasons it can't. And yeah. partly in other parts of the country, there's too many comedians to give people enough work. Yeah. And there's already too many gigs, so there's no need to start others necessarily. And there's also bits of the country, let's face it, where the comedians don't necessarily get on. Like, we've all been on the Scottish Comedy Forum and watched what happens <laughs> there sometimes. Yeah. Whereas in the northeast of England, luckily, it can. And it's been two years, and it's we thought by this point we might have, be at the point where we'll have two monthly gigs. But actually, it's busy as fuck, and it's people are coming to us now, and we're doing lovely things. Like, I'm gigging at Annick Garden this weekend and being with Museum on Thursday, and it's, like, really nice. It's just a really nice thing. So if people want to have a look at that, um, sorry, if, I hope you don't mind us plugging our Patreon. No, no, um, it's, go it's a big part of our future. It's still small at the minute, but we'll put so much out. Um, Patreon.com slash Felton Out, N-O-W-T, which um, 
comes from the catchphrase of a very obscure South Shields comedian called Wavis O'Shave, who was on the tube in the 80s, who would hit his thumb with a hammer and say, oh, I felt now. It was like a parody of a hard Geordie bloke. So <laughs> patreon.com slash felt now. There's loads of different tiers and we do loads. There's podcasts, um, there's gig tickets. There's um, the nice feeling of helping out if you're left wing and have a little bit of money and want to put your money where your mouth is. That would be lovely, everybody. And also... <laughs> There's a thing on there called nowflix.co.uk, which is a rip-off of Netflix. Love with loads With loads of, like, full-length shows from Northeast comedians who have just donated them for free to help out. Oh, so, wow. like, again, there's, like, three, like, Lost Voice Guy shows on there. And, like, um, we found Gavin Webster's first ever solo show from 1999 at the Hyena in there on a video. There's loads of dead interest and stuff to watch. So, yes, that is all. Thank you, mate. Sorry, that was a long book for stuff. No, apologize. no, that's amazing. That's so cool. I think because it's such a shame that... Um, London and the South just takes everyone, doesn't it? You know, the, yeah. the everybody, like, if there isn't enough work elsewhere, then everybody gravitates. And it's mm-hmm. such a shame that, because they don't fucking, I live in London and they don't deserve it. They don't deserve these nice things. And it's you know, just, it's really nice that. It's been lovely to watch people come back. Like Lauren Patterson yeah. moved back home about two years ago. And she was yeah. like, everybody in Delhi was like, are you crazy? And you're like, I can't afford to live in London. And I like it there. I like it in Newcastle. Yeah, that's it. You find Venice. yourself, you've moved away from a nice place to yeah. live basically in squalor for yeah. more money than you have. In, in London to be, you know, and sometimes you think, like, for what? Whereas if you can move back home, to the North is lovely. It's, I love the North. And like, I can afford to live here. Like, yeah, you can I, have your own space. You know, the truth is, like, I was joking about how cheap my mortgage is, but genuinely, like, it's ridiculous. And I live within five minutes, five, ten minutes, well, let's be generous, of what was just named the best beach in Britain. You know, wow. in South Shields, and nobody goes there because it's not a holiday destination. Yeah. And it's like, and you've got like beautiful parks there that were built for the workers years ago. I mean, admittedly on slag heaps, but they still look nice. You know, and it's, I, as I get older, I do value it more. It's nice. You know, Absolutely. so other parts of the country, you should start something similar, you lazy fuckers. <laughs> yeah. Go on. <laughs> but man, we've got an office. We've got a fucking office. Ooh. Just get office, bro. <laughs> No, no, it's an office. Someone do well for themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an office that I come to three days a week for no money. But let's not, let's not question that. Let's not question the method. No, no. It's a lovely bit of business. That's amazing. Um, Everybody get on that. Um, That's patreon.com slash feltnout. Thank you. Loads of stuff, too much stuff, if anything. (laughs) I started a Patreon for this, but I can't even remember what it is. If you were, I, I'm so bad at making this uh, financially viable. It has cost, I, I did the maths how much it's cost me to make this Don't podcast. I know over the four years I've been doing it and I was like, Ugh, I need to make a Patreon <laughs> and yeah. then put nothing on it. I think the only reason we ever got stuff on it is that I feel beholden to like everybody else now I'm like oh yeah. god if we don't make money then there's not as much work for the acts and everything like and then there's less for me oh I better do it I yeah. think I need the fear I need the fear <laughs> that's it yeah if you've got the responsibility of other people then... yeah that's what I need I need to know they're going to be angry <laughs> <laughs> um oh so before we go I'm going to plug uh, we're, we're doing another I'm doing another podcast what? it's called right I know we're, it, we're doing it's all 
made albinarthenus um which is a feat given that i'm in the south um and it, it's called historical hot or not i don't know i think it's going to come out in august and uh it's, it's me and Aidan mccaffrey uh, i don't know if you know him lovely fella uh, and uh, we just it's just about historical figures and whether we'd fuck them or not so <laughs> uh, and I, something, I think I know people who would do that if you want guests yeah. uh, basically one of ours Sammy who I mentioned before actually I think that was off that was off air so cut that bit <laughs> don't cut any fucking too much hard work um, so Sammy Dobson who is a um, wonderful comedian um, she's got a podcast that we put out where by the way you get bonus footage in a week earlier on the Patreon called mm-hmm. um, she, called Free Pass. She wanted to call it Desert Island Dicks, but that's been taken away. <laughs> which is about that. the eight celebrities you would like to fuck on a desert island. Yeah. And it's really good. And it's it's interesting to listen to because she's had blokes on, like I was on, and you're a bit like, oh, I don't want to be disrespectful. But my God, the women just had on absolute filth. <laughs> just like... Yeah. <laughs> I think it's okay to objectify if it's clearly done in jest. Yeah, <laughs> And like, yeah, I think I hope so. And like she said, like, look, just you don't need to hold back. The whole point of this podcast is that, of course, you you only know these people by what they look like. Yeah, yeah, that's. The... And you're being nice about them, like that. The eight, you know, if it was eight ugly people, that would be horrific. Wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like uh, John Mulaney, where his wife is like, the only thing I don't want you to say about me on stage is that I'm a bitch and you hate me. <laughs> Why would you say that? <laughs> <laughs> but you do get loads of comics who do that, don't you? Go on and go, my wife's a prick, my husband's an arsehole. Like, fucking get why? divorced. Yeah, Mine's really just... nice, that's why we've been together for ages. <laughs> really like her. <laughs> she, she fucking Sorry, rushed. if that makes me weird, but... Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you're the problem. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, she's dead nice. She shouldn't meet one like that. <laughs> anyway, it's been an absolute pleasure to meet and chat to you. You too, um, me. I've had a lovely time. Yeah, thank you for being a guest and thank you for listening. Uh, Until next time, goodbye. Bye, everybody. I miss you.